choice about whether we carry 2023 into 2024 and we let it shape from day one everything that we will move forward into. Or we can come to a place, and it's easier said than done, where we can come to the Lord and we can recalibrate ourselves and say, do you know what, Lord, if it was my best year yet, let me top it next year. If it was my worst year ever, let me be above that this year. And if we have mixed blessings, Lord, let there be more blessings than negative experiences in this year. We do not have to allow the past to change our future. I really want us to catch on to that this morning. We don't have to allow our past to determine 2024. In Philippians, I think it is, it says this, He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That suggests to me that there's a journey. We're not there yet, but we're getting there. And as long as I'm making ground for me, that is the most important thing. Am I changing? Am I becoming hopefully more like Jesus? Can always say I have been but I hope that there are more days this year that I was like Jesus than I wasn't. So let me read to you Matthew 4, verses 18 to 22. You'll recognize these words, I am sure. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, that's Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called to them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him this morning I just want to leave you with a few thoughts on those four verses of scripture first and foremost we often think we often think that when we receive the call from God a call from God the invitation to follow it's some moment where everything around us pales into insignificance almost like having noise cancelling earphones on and you can't hear the hubbub of that which is around you and all you can hear is in the ears and God says to you come follow me but I want to tell you the call of God to follow him doesn't come in mystical moments. I'm not saying that, that can't happen, but it doesn't come very often in mystical moments, but it comes in everyday life. Doing what you do every day. The Lord's voice will tell you, follow me, follow me. You can be at work and Jesus will tell you to follow him. How does he do that? 
You might be with a work colleague and something is being discussed and you just know you should not be part of that conversation. Jesus' call to follow him that day is to excuse yourself and to walk away. Maybe, maybe I've had a row with my wife and I'm feeling absolutely justified in being upset. And Jesus' call to follow me that day will be, love your wife. Even if she's in the wrong, which she never is, by the way. I have to get that in. Um, even if she was wrong, not to allow that to colour my relationship with her. Not to colour the way in which I'm prepared to treat her. I need to love her. For some of us, it will be forgiveness. Forgiveness from the past. Forgiveness from the present. We need to forgive and follow the call of Jesus to forgive. You see, when Jesus called these guys, they were just ordinary, everyday people. They weren't rabbis. They weren't necessarily learned men. In fact, we know that the scripture tells us that they were known as not being learned men. And that was what was so surprising to the chief priests and the elders and, all, and the, you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. These men are unlearned. And yet at the same time, they spoke with authority. Jesus' call to us will be to follow him in the moment of every day. They weren't on a mystical retreat when they heard this call. Out in the desert somewhere on their own, praying. It was in their every day. Follow me. I want to say to you this morning, we need to learn to listen for the voice of Jesus saying, follow me. Follow me. I once heard a, a someone say, God, if you try and build a church, you don't very often get it if you're really desperate to build a church. But if you make disciples, you will always get church. Being a disciple is not being a Sunday attender. Being a disciple is being a follower of Jesus, a person of the way, someone who hears the call of Jesus saying, come, follow me. Because Jesus knows the best way. He knows the best paths. So Jesus' call, come follow me. It's a call to change. It's a call to something different, a call to reprioritize our lives. And as we face 2024, I can honestly say about 2023, there have been times where my priorities have not necessarily been Jesus-centered or Jesus-focused. I've had moments where I've wanted to please myself. I've wanted to... Basically, I know that Jesus was asking one thing and I was saying, it's not that I don't want to do it, I just don't want to do it 
yet or now, this moment? Do I have to do it now? What's it going to matter if I leave it a week or two when it fits in more with me? But the call of Jesus to follow means we have to reprioritize our lives. Our call is to proximity with Jesus. I want to recommend a book. I don't normally recommend books. I wouldn't recommend some of the books on my bookshelf because you'd be horrified at some of them because I read very widely. So um, some of you might think I've even lost the faith of some of the books I read just to see what people are saying. But this is, um, this is a book by a woman called Lois Tverberg and it's called Walking in the Dust of Rabbi Jesus. And... Uh, I came across this book a few years ago and I read it and I'm one of these people who normally pick up numerous books at the same time. I have a pile by my bed and I pick a bit out of one, then I put it down, I pick up another, I'll read something out of another and so on. But when I picked up this book, I read it from cover to cover within a few days. It captivated me. It absolutely captivated me. Lois de Verberg is a Jew or a Messianic Jew who lives in America. And um, she writes about Jesus, how the Jewish words of Jesus can change your life. And I want to tell you, as I read this book, I became absolutely captivated by what it revealed to me about Jesus, what it revealed to me about what Jesus said and what he taught. And I wondered why I hadn't been able to see it myself. But because she is Jewish, she has quite, you know, she understands the context of what's going on. But I just want to read you one small part about this, and it's about following Jesus. If I can find it now, of course, that's the problem. When I originally saw this, it was that title, Walking in the Dust of Rabbi Jesus, that caught my attention. The way Jesus taught his first disciples was not unique, but part of a wider tradition in Judaism that began a few centuries before his time. Jesus didn't hand his disciples a textbook or give them a course syllabus. He asked each one of them to follow him. Literally, to walk after him. That's what the word follow means, to walk after, to come behind. He invited them to trek the byways at his side, living life beside him, to learn from him as they journeyed. His disciples would engage in life activities along with him, observing his responses and imitating how he lived by God's word. Out of the unusual teaching method arose a well-known saying you should learn from a rabbi by covering yourself in his dust. You should follow so closely behind him as he traveled from town to town, teaching, teaching that billows of sandy granules would cling to your clothes. As you walked after your rabbi, your heart would change. 
And then she says, this will be our task in this book, to stroll through Jesus' ancient world at his side, listening to his words with the ears of a disciple. I love that picture about walking in such close proximity to Jesus that the dust from off his feet that is kicked up lands on my clothes and as I observe and I watch and I follow him and I choose to imitate, if you like, him, then what happens is my life is transformed. My heart is transformed. If I had to encourage you in one thing for 2024, only one thing, I want to encourage you to walk closely with Jesus. Nothing else. I don't want you to follow me. I believe that there are gifts given to the church to open God's word, to pastor people, to evangelize and all the rest of it. But they are given to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Position in church is not a lording it over downward It's a bottom-up serving the people whom you have been given by God. We want to follow walking in the dust of Rabbi Jesus. We want to heed his call, follow me. We want our hearts to be changed by him. We want to be more like him at the end of 2024 than we were at the beginning. We want to be transformed. We assist one another in that, don't we? Because in community, walking together, we journey together. The disciples were not just one. I noticed here, and I never noticed it before, but Jesus, when he calls the first two lots of disciples, he calls them in pairs. I know they're brothers, but he calls them in pairs. And later on, when you read further on, it talks about the 72. How did he send out the 72? In pairs. There is something about walking with others, with Jesus, which is life transformational. And so for us, gathering together like this, gathering together in small groups and all those things, I've got to tell you, is not just that we want to do church and do the club thing. It's because we need one another. You have something I need. I have something you need. Together with Jesus, we serve and we shape and we fashion one another to be more like him so follow me Jesus call always will come in the everyday he says follow me then they had to leave that which they were already doing in order to follow now that doesn't mean I'm saying immediately go in on Tuesday morning and hand in your notice all right that's not what I am saying not unless you want to of course Um, that's a different matter but I'm not saying that. But maybe take today and tomorrow especially where you get just five or ten minutes to ask yourself about the priorities of your life and my life. And ask yourself, where does Jesus come? 
I'm going to be honest with you, even as a pastor, at the beginning of a year on January the 1st, Jesus is at the top of my list. By Wednesday, if I make Wednesday this week, maybe Tuesday, I happen to be having to come in here first thing on Tuesday morning and will Jesus somehow suddenly start to descend in my list of priorities because everything else presses in around me. I want to learn to include Jesus into those moments that he remains my first priority. How should I respond in this moment? Not how do I feel I want to respond. How should I respond? Jesus, how would you have me respond in this moment? And therefore, we might have to just retweak and reshape our priorities. The other thing I noticed in this passage is that if, you're, if we, not just you, but if we are going to follow Jesus, then the Great Commission is going to be high on our agenda. Most of us fear the word evangelism, sharing our faith. We don't want to ruin good relationships that we've already managed to build. We're afraid that because we've known people so long sometimes that to bring Jesus into that situation might damage that relationship because there's the risk of rejection. But I want to say, if, you're, if we are going to follow Jesus, then we are going to have to be involved in the great commission of making disciples. We don't have to be preachy. We don't have to be Bible bashy. We don't have to be truth it's not that we shouldn't want truth but we don't have to be so dogmatic about our truth that we have to overrule people all the time and beat them with our truth we can love people when they ask us how do you deal with this we can talk and that's an opening to talk about how we invite Jesus into our most difficult moments in our life and how he makes a difference I'm not against preaching the gospel. I'm not against doing anything in terms which would get the message out there. But the truth is, it is not making converts we want. It's making disciples what we want. That means we have to be prepared to walk with people. And finally for today, no hesitation. The one thing that struck me and I know that there will be people who say, yeah, but these guys, they already knew about Jesus. They probably already listened to him, so they were ready. If I just take it on the passage that is written before me and not add into it, it says that when he called, they immediately left their nets and followed him. And that is important because Matthew mentions it twice in this passage. It is important. Jesus says on one occasion, follow me. On the other, it says he called to them. It doesn't say he said, follow me, but he called to them again. And you can assume it was the same call. Follow me. 
He mentions that twice and he mentions twice the fact that immediately they left their nets and followed him. No hesitation. I said it a few moments ago, basically. It means a change in our priorities. It means being willing to build our life on risk, which is spelled F-A-I-T-H, faith, trust in Jesus. But we must learn to respond immediately. Because when Jesus speaks to us, it is not, we so often think when Jesus speaks to us, it's for some way afar off. But often when I get little promptings during a day, they are not for afar off, they are for that moment. And the number of times, and I'm being honest, the number of times I walk by that moment debating with myself, is that me or is that God? Or, you know, Am I just thinking this myself? Am I making it up? I must learn to respond immediately to the call and to follow. And sometimes that's difficult. But I've got to tell you, the more often we do it, the more often we will see that that little prompting, that little prompting will be the Holy Spirit guiding and directing us. It will never become easier, but we will learn to understand and know the voice of God speaking to us, which makes at least the risk not more palatable, but maybe a little easier to take. And sometimes we're going to get it wrong. Sometimes we will. But I wouldn't be put off by that. I would rather do it than refuse it. So as we come to 2024, we're going to break bread if you want to come back now. Um, I've asked for a song this morning. Um, Jesus be the centre I don't know if we're going to play that absolutely immediately. We are going to play it just before communion. All right? Jesus be the center of our lives. That's what we want him to be. Jesus to be the center. And in 2024, I want to ask you, how are you going to respond to the call from Jesus to follow him? As we come to communion... We need to remind ourselves of the fact that it was Jesus who because of God's plan and his will and his desire submitted himself to the cross for our salvation. He became the lamb who was slain for our sins. that should make us want to reciprocate by saying, when you call Jesus, I will come. I will follow. Lord Jesus, we just want to say thank you to you this morning for submitting yourself to your Father's will 
and to his plan to save the world. Lord, we ask you to help us to know your voice in 2024 so that when you say, follow me, Lord, we will respond with immediacy and follow you where you lead. Lord, know that our hearts want to do that. Be patient with us as you are when we're slow to respond. But Lord, we want to follow you so closely in this year that the dust from off your feet settles on our clothes and through that proximity to you that somehow our hearts are changed more into the likeness of you. Oh Lord, we just want to really just thank you. Thank you.